Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Thank you, Gary, and thanks, as always, to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. Find fantastic podcasts at tangentboundnetwork.com, and all your entertainment needs are at axtel.com. Today, I am really excited to welcome back one of my favorite people in the world, someone I could talk to about criminal justice issues for hours, Nancy Grace. Grace has a brand new series on the Oxygen Network called Injustice with Nancy Grace. The show centers on cases that, in some way or another, failed to balance the scales of justice for the families of these victims. I asked Grace what exactly has to happen for justice, true justice, to be served. Most of these cases are not your typical ripped from the headlines dateline murder mysteries. They're the local back of the newspaper cases that never got their moment in the spotlight. As a former prosecutor herself, the reason Nancy wants to feature these types of cases is quite personal. The season finale of Injustice with Nancy Grace airs this coming Saturday, August 31st. Check your local listings for Times because it's cable and it's, it's 8, 7 central, but I'm not quite sure what it is uh, in the Pacific time zone and mountain time zone. The episode will feature the gripping case of murder victim Robert Kissel. Not caught up on Injustice? You can watch every episode online anytime by logging into your television provider at oxygen.com. Here now to tell us why she seeks to balance the scales and eradicate injustice, our interview with Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace, welcome back to Talk for Two. How are you? I'm great, and thank you for having me. It's, it's a real joy to get to talk to you. Oh, it is a joy to talk to you, and I love this new show, Injustice on Oxygen. Before we get into, there's two cases I want to talk about, the one airing this coming week and one of my favorite episodes, but before we get into questions about those, how are you finding these lesser-known cases? Believe it or not, we go through, Oxygen and myself, over a 1,000 cases wow. to look for the first eight. And I wanted cases that were not on the tip of everyone's tongues that are we already know are so familiar. We understand it. We understand the facts, the reasoning, the potential motives. We know the victims. There are, and it reminds me of something, um, which is one of, it was a very vivid memory for me. I hate being in an office. I don't like being in office, and that's one of the things I loved about being a felony prosecutor because a large part of my job was not only legal research and writing openings and closings and uh, legal arguments, but investigating. Yeah. That was when I was the happiest if I was out on the street investigating or in court actually doing legal battle. I remember I had a case, uh, must have been a murder, because it lasted over three weeks. And I would go straight from the courtroom home. I carried all my evidence and work. You often see flight attendants going through the airport with uh, a bag on wheels, dragging it behind them. Yeah. I had one of those draggers. <laughs> and I would pile it up with box upon box, stolen from the postal office. You know, those plastic boxes full of stuff. Yeah home and back every night and morning so I would not have to detour to my office. Well, at the end of the trial, 
I finally went back to my office. When I got there, not only there was a box of Krispy Kreme donuts I had had like a, a month before, <laughs> but every week, twice a week, the indictments and records division of the DA's office would bring me new files, each one in a manila folder. There were so many, they had been putting them in a tall stack. They had fallen all the way across my desk, long ways, over the side of the desk, down on the floor. They had cascaded down like Niagara Falls, and it was a big (laughs) pile. And it struck me, how am I going to keep up with all these cases and do my very best job on each one and represent crime victims in the state to the best of my ability on literally hundreds of cases, all felonies. Same way here. There are thousands of cases that need to be highlighted, stories that need to be told, another spotlight when there has been an injustice and there are so it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant, tell yeah. you the truth. It just takes a little digging. Exactly. And to that, to that, to your point there, my favorite episode is the Mockby case so far because of something that really infuriated me. And this I've been waiting to talk to you so I could ask you about this. We have cases in pop culture today where I think and this could be a conversation for another appearance of yours. There are there are legitimate evidentiary concerns that could warrant a second trial. How on earth did that man get a second trial because somebody was walking across a parking lot. That scares me. And let me tell you before you answer why that scares me. Because I'm thinking to myself, if I cut through a parking lot and my timing is bad, that could mean somebody walks on a murder. You don't think like that, and then you see it on a show like yours, and it's just, it's mind-boggling. How did that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happened. It wasn't just, yes, ostensibly, at first blush, it is somebody just walking across parking lot. But this place, Thermo Fisher, was highly guarded. Uh, you had to have key cards to get in and out. The time he was walking across the parking lot, nobody else was there. It was at an odd time when an employee wouldn't be out there. It wasn't really open to foot traffic. It was not an employee. So who was it? Now, here's another thing. They would have truckers come up to Thermo Fisher Labs. I call it labs, but it's also a big, um, a, you know, like the big Amazon yeah. distribution centers. Mm-hmm. It's a big distribution center of lab equipment and medical supplies. So they would have truckers coming in, in and out in certain times of the day. He wasn't one of them. So who is this guy? Here's the kicker. Of course, that's not the killer. I mean, outside chance, yeah. But how's he going to get in with a key card? How's he going to hide? There were other people there. Did they not notice somebody that didn't work there? There were only like eight or ten people there Mm -hmm. early, early in the morning. Plus, when he was walking across the uh, parking lot, it was not adjacent or near that near the time Michelle was murdered. So, okay, what did he hide out in the attic somewhere for a a period of hours and then jump out and kill her? (laughs) Oh no, it's too fanciful, but this is what happens. It's the SOD defense. That's what I named it. So some other dude did it. I don't know who did it, 
but somebody did it. It wasn't me. You know, that is used across the board by rich, poor, educated, non-educated, white, black, Hispanic, Asian. It doesn't matter. The SOD defense, some other dude did it. And that was just what they needed. Now, this is why there was a retrial. The state says they handed over the video. The defense says they couldn't. Have you ever gotten something you just can't open it up on your computer? Mm -hmm. I have. I have to call my little monkey, John David, who knows. (laughs) I mean, he intuitively can do anything on a computer. It's amazing. But they said they couldn't open it. Now, I think that's slack. Yeah. You have a video and you're tra- you're defending a murder case and if you can't open it, get a computer person that can open it. If they can't open it, tell the state, I can't open it. What is this? Yeah. That didn't happen. See to me that so, sorry to interrupt you there, but to me that tells me they didn't care about it until it was like the last thing up their sleeve. And and that's why to me it was so sneaky. So, I, I I agree. I agree with you. But here's the alternative. Look at it like this, Matt. You have two choices. You can either send it back down for a retrial because they didn't allegedly see the video before the trial or when it was too late to use it. Or the defense is deemed ineffective assistance of counsel because who doesn't open a video the state has given you in a murder case? Yeah. Who? It would have been argued they were ineffective for not opening or demanding that it be opened to look at. All right. So no matter how you slice that bread, he's <laughs> going to get a retrial. Yeah. Okay. Either on the state didn't provide it adequately or the defense team didn't open it up and look at it. So mm-hmm. that's what happened. That's just incredible. And it's again, it's one of those freaky oh, things. Matt, you do not want what happened to me and Henry Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know Henry Hamilton uh, if he had come up and bit me on the neck. So when I got to the DA's office, I, of course, started out in indictments and juvie crimes. After I tried my first couple of cases, um, well, more than that, after about three years, I became a special prosecutor. Mm -hmm. The DA called me down to his office one day and said, I need you to do a retrial. I'm like, sure, what is it? This was a case that tried, was tried the first time or it happened either before I got in law school or while I was in law school. And it went all the way through multiple appeals. Wow. 14 years passed. It got sent back down for a retrial. Matt. Yeah. All I had in the evidence room was an x-ray of the victim and a, a hat, a baseball cat that said, kiss my bass. <laughs> Well, that's I guess you had to I pull had. that case out of your bass. I'd... Yeah, yeah, you're not kidding. That's okay. I'm going to use that. I'm stealing that. But you don't want a retrial 15 years later. It was so hard to put that case back together. I did put it back together, by the way, and Henry Hamilton went back to jail for murder. But uh, long story short, you don't want to. You don't want it to wind its way all the way up to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, no. one step below the Supremes. And then you get it 15 years later to retry it. That is hard to do. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And I commend you. And I'm just glad to see that in that case, he's back in prison and in your case as well. Real quick, let's talk about this week's episode. What drew you to the Coblin case? And uh, One thing plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Shelly Danishevsky. Yeah. Shelly Danishevsky is the victim. She's beautiful. 
All right. I don't know how she pulled that off. She was um, in high finance in Manhattan, and that ain't easy. Okay. It's kill or be killed. All mm-hmm. right. It's the law of the jungle in Manhattan in the business world. And she was succeeding. And I call her a Reese Witherspoon lookalike mm-hmm. because in a lot of her pictures, not all of them, but a lot of them, she looks like Reese Witherspoon. She, yeah. she just a lovely lady on the outside and the inside had two children, boy, girl. So she's a working mom, working all kind of crazy hours, trying to raise her children, very close knit family with her family. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then up comes the husband. Can you even imagine if my husband came home, David Eugene Lynch, and said that he was going to quit his job to become a professional backgammon player? Just saying it, I want to do a backflip. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, I, the other day I had to get up at 4.45 to get everything done, to get the children to school on time. Uh, to, I mean, oh, no, he is not quitting his job to be a professional backgammon. That is not happening. No. <laughs> and so up jumps the husband. And then, of course, naturally, they're in the midst of an acrimonious divorce. Yeah. But the reality is he was not living with her when she was found dead in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. So and even in light of his bat being a backgammon aficionado, um, and you always look at the husband first, there were too many questions surrounding her death. And to make it more complicated, I hope you're laying down on this one. Don't just sit down. According to her religion, she couldn't be autopsied. Wow. So that really threw a wrench in the works. That was the fly in the ointment. And that's that's crazy. What was her wealth? I was reading that he wanted the fortune and the divorce was going to prevent that. Where did her wealth come from? Well, her wealth came from all of her hard work. That's mm-hmm. where her wealth came from. Yeah. But here's the kicker as far as his motive. He would have gotten, uh, he would have been in charge of her money if she had, you know, there was, right, look, he did not have a real financial motive to kill her. Really? Wow. Um, because at the end, she was rewriting her will to cut him out. Oh, wow. So, I mean, they were divorcing. So he would have gotten a, a big chunk of money from the divorce. Ah, I see. But she was writing him out of her will. That's crazy. Well, I can't wait to see what happens with this case and and what happens with that fly in the ointment and how they get him because, man, that's just, that's awful. I'm telling you, and what I love about oxygen, yeah. since nobody asked me, I'm just going to just tell you. Please. Matt, they're all about crime. Yeah, it's I love 24/7, it. It's 24 365 because you know what I hate, right? I don't hate very many things. I hate felons, okay? Mm-hmm. But I hate politics yeah. because, frankly, I think they're all liars. The yeah. de- Dem- the Democrats, the Republicans, even, I'm sad to say, the Greenies. They're all, they just, well, they will say anything to get reelected. I, I take it all with a box of salt. And I don't like to politicize crime. So I'm all about murder, 
solving unsolved homicides, finding missing people. And that's what oxygen is about. I so I love it. I really, really do. And they care about crime victims. They do. And, you know, you know the media business. Mm-hmm. I mean. If it bleeds, it leads. And sometimes they yeah. can get a little heartless. Sometimes, uh, you know, in the past, mm-hmm. it seemed to me like a lot of people in the media, all they cared about was a rating. Yeah. That's all they cared about was a number. I get the sense that people at auction do care about these victims. Yeah. Like when we are working on a case, so many times the production crew or researchers are like, oh, my stars, this is so upset. I mean, they care. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, that makes a big difference to me sure that people care. That's beautiful. My last question for you, uh, and we're almost over time, but I ha- I'm not letting you go without asking me. this. Hit. What is justice to you? The show is called Injustice. It highlights issues of injustice with these cases. To you, what balances those scales? You know, justice is not always found in a court of law. Mm-hmm. It's been argued that justice is when everybody leaves the courtroom mad and disappointed because that means you got something but everybody got something Mm -hmm. that they wanted and everybody nobody got everything they wanted (laughs) i disagree i i think of solomon who offered to split the baby Mm -hmm. between in a very very difficult situation and in the end the truth came out sometimes it's that painful to seek justice and sometimes the truth literally makes me sick to my stomach physically sick to my stomach but getting the truth is worth it so I guess I would say it's not all about the sentencing it's about getting the truth knowing the truth having the truth declared in open court to me that's justice well Nancy Grace you are welcome on this show to discuss justice anytime you want and the invitation is open i love this show injustice with nancy grace on the oxygen network airs every saturday there's uh and this is actually i think episode eight so this is the season finale and i hope you come back uh to oxygen for more thank you so much god willing and please invite me anytime you want i'd love to visit with you more Nancy Grace, what a privilege and a pleasure it is to get to talk to you. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. If you're listening to this, you are welcome back anytime. I I mean, I'm even tempted to start my own uh, spinoff of Talk for Two that is, you know, uh, criminal justice podcasts, true crime podcasts are the thing right now. I'm tempted to start my own and just have you back every single week. It is so much fun to talk to you. And again, everybody, it's on the Oxygen Network, the season finale, the Robert Kissel case, Injustice with Nancy Grace, August 31st, this Saturday, 8, 7 central, or check your local listings in the other time zones. That's it for us today. Thanks again to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. We talked about them at the top of the show. Remember to subscribe to us in iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Talk for Two and visit my website. I call it the mothership, talkfor2.com, T-A-L-K-F-O-R-T-W-O.com. Signing off. 
I'm Matt Bailey reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com.